Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Flophouse. It's a mini week on The Flophouse. That means it's time when we don't just watch a bad movie and then talk about it. In fact, we don't not just, we don't do it at all. Uh, yeah. it, we don't, it's not that we do something in just. addition to that. It's that we just don't do it. <laughs> so we do whatever we want to do. Now, regular listeners of Flophouse will know that about two weeks ago, I really wanted to talk about my main man, Adam Warlock, my second favorite Marvel character after Spider-Man. Of course, everyone's favorite Marvel character because he's the greatest character in fiction. And I got interrupted, unfortunately, by that dune blowhard, Tom Brokaw. So mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you, tonight's the night. Dim the lights. Maybe light some candles. Pour some wine for yourself. Maybe run a hot bath. We're talking about Adam Warlock tonight. And no one, but no one is going to interrupt me. Dan Rather wants to come in and talk about D- Ringworld. I don't think so. No, I'm, thank you. You're. I'm having. I'm. Uh, you're like. You're. You're, you're tempting slice to. Yeah. You're break whining. Down the door. You're whining this up so much that even though I know that you sent us a document about with photos of Adam Warlock, not photos, not photos? like pictures. No, he's a fictional character in a comic book. Dan. Drawings it's just of illustrations. Adam. <laughs> even though I know that that happened, I'm still scared that this is another fake out. Just because you're putting so much energy into saying that it's not. One. Not at all. I want people to know that this is the night. Wait, there's somebody at the door. Hold on a second. Oh, God. Uh, it's it's actually the ghost of Peter Jennings. He's saying he loves Adam Warlock. He wants us to talk about Adam Warlock. So oh. we'll do that tonight. Okay, Peter. Wow. Uh, but before I do that, my name's Elliot Kalin. L- allow my co-host to introduce themselves. Yeah. Hi, I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, yeah, it's me, Stuart Wellington. Now, now that we're talking about ghosts, you yeah. know what ghost <laughs> would have been uh, a gr- when that ghost was a living man would have made a great Adam Warlock? Dean fucking Stockwell. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Dean Stockwell. He's got the body of a Greek god, and he's got amazing (laughs) eyebrows. True. And he's got a flair for dramatic fashion. Dean Stockwell. I win. I just won the game. Okay. Yeah, I don't think you did. Uh, I'm taking my Nintendo home. I'm leaving the power cord for some yeah, reason. I'm just happy if I just survive so I'll the have game. an excuse to come back to see you. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, now that Stuart's gone, took his controller home. His <laughs> is his Timothy Chalamet uh, uh, modified <laughs> modified controller. Uh, Let's talk about Adam Warlock, shall we? I apologize. I should have let my uh, co-hosts introduce themselves earlier, but I'm just so excited about finally talking Adam Warlock with no interruptions whatsoever. Again, now, this is very worrying. <laughs> so uh, the reason we're talking about Adam Warlock, other than the fact that he's amazing, and there's no reason not to, is the recent, not as recent as it was, thanks Tom Brokaw, but the recent casting news that in Guardians of the Galaxy number three, that's the third in the Guardians of the Galaxy series, He's going to be played officially by Will Poulter. Guys, who's Will Poulter? Where would I know Will Poulter from? Oh, uh, the name sounds familiar. He's in Midsummer. Let me look him up. Okay, well, Stuart right off the bat had one of his credits, Midsummer. Uh, mm-hmm. Dan, on the other hand, uh, nope, not. don't know him. Okay, he was... <laughs> um, he's in lots of stuff. He's an English actor. Uh, he was in uh, We're the Millers, one of Dan's favorite movies. Right. He's in Detroit, another one that Dan loves. Um, I gotta in- say, I haven't... I don't know a lot about Adam Warlock, but some of these photos do look like the drawings I've seen just right mm-hmm. off the bat. Uh, he was, of course, Dan knows him best from Son of Rambo, uh, one of the many mm-hmm. movies where kids do things that they can't really do in real life in terms of production design and mm-hmm. uh, production uh, producing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just general producing. Anything in producing. Just general producing. 
anyway, he's in a lot of stuff. You may know him, Dan, from uh, the Bandersnatch Black Mirror. I'm just looking at other credits of his. It's amazing how few of the things he's done I have seen. I think I've only seen Son of Rambo, which he was in as a child. <laughs> which one was? Which one was? Uh, which one was uh, Bandersnatch? That's the multiple choice one, right? Oh, I didn't right, see right, it right, 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 because right. I yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. I'm gonna yeah, have yeah, FOMO okay. the whole that time okay. that I'm missing stuff that uh, I should otherwise <laughs> see. I'm just not even gonna bother watching this. I somehow managed to see Will We're the Millers in the course of my life, mm-hmm. so yeah, I guess I've seen him in that. So who were the Millers? Why did we want to know about them? <laughs> uh, they're just you know some uh, some normal funny. People who get caught up together, they know they're, they're trying you to. You know, pre- they pretend that they're a family. They, uh, it's like, yeah, there's like a pot smuggling scam that involves creating a fake family. Oh, I see. I was hoping it was like a like a low key reboot of Meet the Applegates. Oh yeah, Very they're all cockroaches. <laughs> yeah, so, so it was it was a low key remake. Like they're instead of cockroaches, they're all low key. Or is Loki uh, yep, a cockroach? It was, it was trying to be, it was, no, Elliot, it's, I was using some hip slang, oh, okay. meaning that it was, it was sneaky. There the was oh, a sneaky reboot that they were trying to not draw attention, but in fact, they were still now, doing Now, sneaky reboot, of course, is a sequel to Peaky Blinders. <laughs> uh-huh. And, yeah, that's- and, and a low-key tie into Sneaky Pete. <laughs> <laughs> that was the Sneaky Pete, Peaky Blinders crossover that America demanded. <laughs> so anyway, Which, Adam Warlock. again, I feel like, as much as I like those Peaky Bees, I feel like that lead is miscast. And the same thing with Sneaky Pete, where it's like Giovanni Ribisi is supposed to be a confidence man, but the whole time he is like the squirreliest dude. Like I would not trust him with anything. Mm. No offense, my man. Harsh how about Peaky? How about how about Peaky Sneet? Oh, <laughs> Peaky I think I think he can pull that off. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, what about Blind Pete? <laughs> From, uh, is that Treasure Island? Don't say Treasure Island, that's Blind Pew, Dan, not Blind Pete. Oh, where's Blind Pete from? <laughs> uh, it's nothing. It's just another combination of the va- of the sounds in Peaky Blinders and oh, okay. Sneaky Pete. <laughs> I should have said, I should have said Petey Blinders. People who go around blinding people named Petey. Uh-huh. Or by throwing Pete into people's faces, yeah. blinding them mm-hmm. instantly. Mm-hmm. Get that smoking flavor. Leaving them open to a visceral attack. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so... That's Adam Warlock. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I feel like, I hope you understand this oh, wait, character yeah. a little better. How do we so, get, yeah. So anyway, Adam Warlock's going to be in a movie. Is this a little disappointing to me? Yes, only in that I once soft-pitched the idea of an Adam Warlock TV show. Didn't go anywhere. Anyway, why'd I do that? Because he's my second favorite Marvel character. Let me explain who he is. Uh, I think people may remember that before Tom Broca interrupted me, I put him into layman's terms as Marvel's answer to Michael Moorcock's Elric of Melnibene, mm-hmm. eh? <laughs> so, who, who Perfect, you know very you. well, Dan, is a kind of um, sure. dec- kind of a decadently self-involved and somewhat lazy uh, elf king, right? Sounds great. Who has, mm-hmm. a, he has a sword called Stormbringer who eats mm-hmm. souls, and mm-hmm. he is just not having a good time of it. Uh Adam Warlock has a few similarities with that. He's also what I would say is kind of a cosmic Jesus crossed with a little bit of Charlie Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and did I mention he's almost all-powerful? Let's talk about him. Um, it's a little hard to describe him simply, which is why I'm interested in see how they're going to do in a movie because he's less a straightforward hero than kind of a seeker of personal peace who keeps getting forced to save the whole universe, even though he would really rather not be bothered. Uh, and it's also confusing to comic book fans because – there's an X-Men character named Warlock, and he has a villain named the Magus, and Adam Warlock's villain is also named the Magus. So why would one universe have 
two sets of characters with the same names? I don't know. Ask Chris Claremont. He's the one who came <laughs> last with his characters of Warlock and mm-hmm. Magus. So I don't know what to tell you. So who created Adam Warlock, Elliot? Let me tell you about it because it's an interesting story. And first, before that, I'm going to say that one of the things I like about Adam Warlock that I find fascinating is one of the characters who the creator of the character was not the one who really made that character the version that we know of today. Uh, much like Frank Miller did with Daredevil or Chris Claremont, who I mentioned before in a scathing way, but now I'm mentioning in a complimentary way, did with Wolverine and the X-Men, Adam Warlock is very much uh, the product of a number of minds, but especially the hands and thoughts and hallucinogenic drug trips of one <laughs> Jim Starlin. Let's get there. Adam Warlock. He first shows up in the 1960s in Stanley and Jack Kirby's run on the Fantastic Four. And um, he, well, let me just say when he shows up, he's not exactly the Adam Warlock we all know and love, right? Because Adam, because, because. Is he Dan, disguised as a robot clown like the uh, Hulk was in the first <laughs> Avengers comic? <laughs> no, he wasn't. But that would have been a great. He does show up on a planet of clowns later. We'll talk about that later. Dan, uh, can you open up the images that I mm-hmm. sent you, the document I sent you that's full of images? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I have the PDF open here. Okay, before uh, a PDF is also the the sequel to Sneaky Pete. Now, Dan, uh, can you can you describe for me a little bit the first image, which is what I would call Adam Warlock classic? Okay, well, uh, there's a very uh, built gentleman who is kind of get, you know got like sort of spray tan orange is the base coat of uh, 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 his skin. Mm-hmm. Um, he's sort of holding his hand in sort of a, a loose but. Uh, powerful manner um he's got like a, a big old kind of dr strangish uh cloak um mm-hmm. but uh, uh you what, know which and is, what holds what's the clasp that holds that the cloak? clasp is a little skull mm-hmm. um he has is, these uh gold bracelets and uh a, 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 like a what sort of like a wwe belt mm-hmm. and yes. uh gold uh, uh boots that are they're all kind of like roman uh looking kind of like you know like a centurion kind of thing and is he, and is he wearing full pants or he just does not have full pants he has <laughs> he has red briefs is all <laughs> but he's it's wearing yeah, it's, it's like a wrestling outfit yeah yeah, yeah it's like a wrestling outfit and he's uh, got like a big mane of uh of blonde hair yeah um yeah. He's got a real Stuart Wellington head of hair there. Yeah, I yeah, feel like I can true. pull this. I feel like I'm going to go as Adam Warlock for for a Christmas next year. <laughs> yeah, your Christmas costume should be Adam Don't like, tell my family how to celebrate, Elliot. <laughs> you're like, you're, I'm not Christian. I don't know how it's done. You're like, kids, come sit on, on my lap and tell Adam Warlock what you want. And they're, and they're like, Mommy, this man isn't wearing pants. <laughs> And the and uh, the kid and the and the parents are like, I'm not driving you all the way to the mall. Just just uh just sit on his lap. Now yeah, yeah. this Dan, that was a great description. Now I want you to move to picture number two. This is Adam okay. Warlock's first appearance uh, mm. in the Fantastic Four. And what is he? And so that's not him on the left. That's a woman. That's Alicia Masters. What is she approaching? What does it look like to you? Uh, it's kind of like a sarcophagus that um, it, you know, it looks like sort of like a big old worm. Uh, yeah, I, um, I, on the almost. on the Marvel by the Month podcast, I believe I described it as looking like a coffin made out of ribs. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that's also accurate. And then it has yeah. like kind of a, the top looks sort of like the Eye of Sauron in miniature. 
That's fair. So this is our first look at what would become Adam Warlock. He is the creation of a group called the Enclave, who are scientists who are seeking to create a sort of super powerful man who is super strong, super tough, can channel cosmic energy, super smart, all that stuff. Uh, and when he hatches out, let's go to image number three. Mm. Uh, he is the figure known as him. Okay. That's his name, him. And can you describe him now? What does he look like now? He's not N Thor or the lady. In now those he looks kind of like uh, if the Silver Surfer was the Gold Surfer, except he does have hair, unlike the Silver Surfer, but not the big mane. It's kind of like plastered it, down he to looks, his head. Yeah, he looks a lot he, like Urian from Street Fighter. I could see that. I always think he looks like Rocky from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, uh, yeah, and yeah. Very similarly. He's a he's a lab-created man. And in the story, as done in the Fantastic Four comics, these evil scientists want to take over the world with their Superman. He emerges from his cocoon, I think, in the last three panels of the book, and then says, you guys are evil, I'm destroying you. And he blows up their headquarters. We don't see him again for two years. Now, mm -hmm. there's an interesting story behind this comic, which is fairly bland. Uh, they, they spend so much time getting to this cocoon that he's in, that he's being born in, which is really fun. And then as soon as he emerges, it's a huge anticlimax. This was originally, uh, Jack Kirby's intention was that these scientists were not evil, but were instead sort of objectivist libertarians who wanted to create the perfect person who was purely logical and was not, didn't worry about about morals, the morals of the weak. And when he, in his original conception of the story, when him comes out, he would say, I'm perfect. You are imperfect to me and you displease me. You have to go now and would destroy them. And it would show kind of like how without morality and without sensitivity and emotion, man is, is destructive or whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this was kind of, might have been him poking fun at fellow Marvel artist Steve Ditko, who I can't remember if he was still working at Marvel at the time. Uh, but Stanley was like, "Eh, this is a lot of this is a lot of stuff for kids to read. I'm just going <laughs> to make it kind of a Frankenstein story." And so, in his hands, him becomes kind of like um, your basic just born super powerful man child who's just running around not knowing anything about anything, mm -hmm. and he tries to kidnap like so in he, Prometheus. Exactly. Yeah. And so he appears. Two years later, he shows up again to try to kidnap Sif's, Sif, Thor's girlfriend, and Thor essentially beats him to death. Oh, wow. <laughs> and and uh, this character would not show up again for like three more years. Uh, him would lay dormant, which is actually very in character for him, as we'll see. And, and in character for someone who's been beaten to death. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yes, that's true. They usually don't come back. But Adam Warlock— Sometimes the they come back. Sometimes they come back, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. And sometimes they come back too. There was a sequel, right? <laughs> um, I don't know. Oh, anyway. Sometimes they also come back as well. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the, the third one is they're still coming back, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Additional people want to come back. Do you have room? <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there anyone else who wants to come back? We're leaving now. <laughs> You're going to have to wait for the next shuttle. <laughs> so either come with us or... <laughs> and yeah. the, next, the next one after that was, I'm sorry... I'm sorry it's full. You're going to have to wait. We, you can't <laughs> no. come back. So uh, three years later, it's 1972. The year before, a certain album, that's right, Jesus Christ Superstar, was mm. rocking the charts. The concept rock opera about the final days of the supposed Son of God by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice. Now, who was under the heavy influence of that album? Why? Roy Thomas, the man who basically took control of the Marvel Universe when Stan Lee got too busy to write the books on his own. And he decides— 
I want to do a Jesus Christ type character and I'm going to bring back him only. Let's go to the next picture. I'm going to rename him Adam Warlock. And Dan, Ooh. can you describe, or Stuart, either one, can you describe what Adam Warlock looks like in that picture there? Yeah, the Stuart, why don't you take this one? So this is the cover uh, of Marvel premiere number one, which introduced this new Adam Warlock figure. Yeah, so he looks a little bit closer to that original, the, the, the classic Adam Warlock. Uh, he's got kind of like a, like a Flash Gordon suit mm -hmm. with big, uh, big shoulders. Looks like he's surrounded by some kind of like jizz field. That's uh, the cosmic energy. And he's got, uh, that's what I call it. Uh, and, and he's like, oh, and he's, I think he's got at this point, he's got those like trademark, like all white eyeballs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. With like he black may... outside. I'm trying and to remember if and he had he's just like before. he's like he he's like flexing like a maniac. Right yeah, and behind yeah, he's got like a Shazam lightning bolt. Yes, and he's got a lightning bolt on his chest. Uh, and and Thor and Hulk are behind him, and they're like, "What?" Hulk and Thor's like, "I thought I killed you." And anyway, mm -hmm. uh, Adam Warlock comes back. Uh, this is Roy Thomas writing, and the art is by Gil Kane, uh, the classic comic artist, best known for how he always kind of placed people so that you could see up their nostrils. I don't know why <laughs> he just loved to, he loved to draw people where you're looking up their nose. Uh, what Steve Ditko was to hands, Gil Kane was to noses, again, putting it in layman's terms. And they gave him this name, Adam Warlock. Oh, thanks, Elliot. <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> Helpful <laughs> dumbing it down. <laughs> <laughs> they really they really lay in the biblical tones, and they decide that this character of Adam Warlock is going to start getting crazy because he is taken out of Earth and he's brought back to life by the high evolutionary, who is the guy at the top of these two pictures on the right. Oh, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. What do you guys know about mm. the high evolutionary? Uh, he, he, causes, right. he causes trouble at some point, right? One well, he, he does cause trouble. He's obsessed with evolving oh, things. Uh, he is, and he's a, he's a human scientist, but he wears this suit of armor, and he's got a helmet that kind of has a handle on him in case you want to pick him up and carry him somewhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like he kind of, or maybe there's an iron in his skull, and he oh, can yeah. take it out. And, yeah, he looks like one of those uh, those kettle kettleweights. Uh, yeah, he looks like, like a kettleweight kettle yeah. yeah. Crossfit fellow. And so high, the High Evolutionary has created an, another Earth he calls Counter-Earth, which is on the other side of the sun. And he's got a bit of a problem because this Counter-Earth, where things are a little bit different than the Marvel Earth, there's not that many superheroes. Uh, Doctor Doom is a good guy, although he still wears a metal mask. He uh, He's got a problem with a character called the Man-Beast, who... I believe was one of the high evolutionaries experiments gone wrong. He loved to take animals and turn them into people, real Island of Dr. Moreau vibes. Uh -huh. and, and the man beast has the ability to basically bring out the bestial hate in other people. That's him down at the bottom there. Dan, can you describe him in that, in that? Uh, picture? Yeah, he's got, <laughs> well, he's, he's got kind of like a, almost what looks like a, I don't know, just like an armored spacesuit, uh, your typical mm -hmm. armored spacesuit that's heavy on, like emphasizing the abs and giving you like really big shoulders. <laughs> yeah, he's got uh, eight abs in there. That's, he's, that's pretty beastly. He's, he's got a big green cape that somehow cascades up uh, above his shoulders before going back down. I'm not sure what's going on there. And his face. Mm -hmm. It's easier to space draw the armor that way. <laughs> his yeah. face kind of, I mean, he kind of looks like a bat. Uh, like yeah, a, he's got like he's got like a jackal or a coyote head or something, yeah. right? Now this is a later version of the of the of the man beast, to be honest. But he looks at it like this: the first time the man beast shows up, also in Thor, he looks almost like just a guy who's half kangaroo and just wears shorts. And <laughs> you, and you see, and the cover of that issue, I should have given it to you. It says "Enter the Man Beast" or something like that. And Thor should have a look on his face where he's like, "Seriously, am I? <laughs> like, this is a guy I have to try to fight. Like, yeah, I yeah. can hit him once and he's gone." Um, anyway. 
This is when uh, Adam Warlock starts taking on these religious overtones that will continue throughout basically the rest of his history. Uh, the High Evolutionary brings him back to life. He says, I'm going to give you something that's going to make you a little powerful. And he puts, gives him the soul gem, which is a special magical cosmic gem. He says, you'll learn more about this later, which is a comic book writer's way of saying, I haven't figured this part out yet. Uh, so I'm going to make it mysterious. And that soul gem goes on his forehead and gives him more power. And over... Basically 10 issues or so, Warlock is kind of like a violent Jesus figure where he's fighting the man-beast and the man-beast's minions and High Evolutionary is like, ugh, why don't I just destroy Counter-Earth to stop this? And Warlock is like, give them another chance. Give the humans another chance. Anyway, it doesn't really work. Uh, by yeah. 1974, yeah, yeah. the book is over. Uh, Warlock dies. He comes back. He dies again. And we've learned by this point eventually that when he dies, he just goes into a big ribs cocoon like the one he was born in and – he just – at the end of this one, he's like, oh, I think there's other planets that need me. And he flies off into space. Cool. Okay. The end of okay. Adam Warlock, right? Wrong, guys. That's mm. where Adam Warlock begins as far as I'm concerned because oh, this wow. is where a certain man comes in, a man named Jim Starlin. Let's go uh -huh. to the next next picture, shall we? Uh, you're going to see uh, a very oh. overwrought picture of Adam Warlock. And uh, I'm going to – I'm just going to read to you this. Uh, this is very – this is very Adam Warlock-y uh, – uh, dialogue that he's, he's monologuing right here and it says, was it not also revealed to me that he whom I thought an ally was in truth a betrayer, a herald of anti-life, ultimate death? Did not these same fates tell me in my sleep how I was the chosen champion of life, the evil titan's natural foe? For I am the savior, the god slayer, the demon, the avenging hand of light, Adam Warlock. Hell Obviously yeah. you can tell why he's my second favorite Marvel character because he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah, yeah. Now, now, Talk about a senior quote right there, huh? Yeah, oh, if only I had read this when I was in high school. So that, yeah, my yearbook could say, I am the savior, the god slayer, the demon, the avenging hand of light. Now, something to keep in mind here. I'm a huge fan of Jim Starlin. Jim Starlin's this, for guys who people don't know him, he's a writer artist. He's been involved in comics for 50 years at this point. And uh, he has a taste for the cosmic uh, and likes to do things mm -hmm. in outer space. Uh, I believe that he was not averse to, if he had a story idea, just taking drugs and writing down what he saw and and building that into the story. And I'm a big fan of his, of his work, and I especially love his Marvel work. I'll read pretty much anything he does. Uh, and he does these big cosmic medical, metaphysical stories where these characters are struggling towards some sort of personal enlightenment but keep getting thrown around by the universe. It's very 60s, 70s stuff. And Jim Starlin's biggest claim to fame is that he created Thanos – uh, and I think is still the best writer on that character. And he's the reason that Thanos is more than just a villain who loves death and wants to kill people and is more of kind of like an amoral three-dimensional character. And you guys are familiar with Thanos from those movies, right? Oh, yeah, he's the big uh, purple dude. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's got he's, little ridges in his face. He's got mm -hmm. ridges in his chin, very much so, uh, and he's a purple dude. Uh, <laughs> so, so if people are wondering, just go to go to your video store, go, look, in the, look in the purple dude category, get Avengers, not the first one. I mean, he shows up at the very watch end. Out, can, watch out for that Grimace movie they made. <laughs> go to the... Go to the Asylum Pictures section of your video store and pick up Reach Face Purple Dude <laughs> if, if, you, if you haven't seen yeah, Avengers. Up, yeah, when the Revengers fight tangos. <laughs> Uh, so the uh, anyway, Jim Starlin, he just he's they, he had just done a run on Captain Marvel, where he turned that guy from kind of a straightforward alien soldier who became a superhero and turned him into a cosmic Jesus figure himself, who has what's called cosmic consciousness and is, you know, has to battle Thanos and stuff for the soul of the universe. And he had problems with Marvel on that book. He left for a while. He comes back and they say, do you want to do a book? And he goes, yeah, I want to do Adam Warlock. And you know what? He's already a cosmic Jesus figure. 
I've done that. I'm going to take him a step further. I'm going to make him kind of a paranoid schizophrenic who can't really trust reality. And so uh, Adam Warlock becomes the most 1970s science fiction character in the Marvel Universe who is not a Jack Kirby character because Jack Kirby does a lot of 1970s science fiction stuff. But Adam Warlock is more like uh, a real, like uh, a, a person who re read the book Steppenwolf and then went out into outer space and was like, I'm also going to have a quest of self-discovery <laughs> and things mm. like that. Read like Siddhartha and then decided to go out into space. Um, he, we, uh, he's, he, he, and over decades, Jim Starlin develops this conception of Adam Warlock and Thanos as these two characters who kind of stand outside the normal flow of the universe's destiny and aren't bound by the same rules of life and death, which makes them these people who are more on their own independent quests. Thanos is for power and love of death, and Warlock's is just to find a place where he can just sit down for a goddamn minute and not be bothered. Like, he just wants a place he can lie around and not talk to anybody. And... They're just oh, going after that for, for years. Does that? It sounds like it. You're, sounds the great. dream, right? Yeah. The, like, I mean, it's when, when Captain America is like is uh, pretty great. It was, mm. it's true, but, but when Captain America is fighting for like freedom and and Spider Man's all like, well, with great power must come great responsibility. I it's easier for me to relate to a character who's like, can I have a moment, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, can I just have some damn quiet for a moment? Uh, yeah, and it's during good. this time. Start. He goes on a bunch of like real 1970s sci-fi paperback adventures. He picks up uh, his two most enduring supporting cast characters. Let's go to the next picture. Uh, that's Gamora on the left. Mm -hmm. And you may know her from the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Uh, before she appeared in those, she was the uh, much less clad character of Gamora, the yeah. deadliest woman in the universe. Here she's galaxy. dressed more like one of uh, Jabba's dancers. Yes, yeah, she's kind of like if Elvira was a was a was an intergalactic assassin, you know. And yeah. uh, his other sidekick, Pip the Troll, who Dan uh, he's in the foreground of this cover oh, he's right the here. Foreground, yeah. Can you describe that character to me, Pip the Troll? Uh, he like <laughs> sure. Um, let's imagine if like a troll was hanging out at uh, the Playboy Mansion, mm -hmm. and uh, he had you know sort of like was relaxing in the bushes. He's breathing. A little bit of fire, but well, in a way, really smoke. It's smoke. He's smoking a cigar. Yeah. Each other. No. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's 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 and unclear, but it does look like he's yeah, still I, pretty built. Like he's well. The thing like, about Pip is he's got a lot of upper body strength, but he's got a big beer belly. Yeah, he's and got he's got belly. like an old sort of I don't know, uh, like he's drinking out of like a a, a wine skin, a wine skin, like he's in the the Bacchus section of uh, <laughs> Fantasia. Yeah, or of uh, of yeah, he's he's at, he's at the Roman world section of Delos, yeah. uh, where Westworld is. Oh, and uh, he's now, he's he doesn't have any clothes on except for he's got some you know like uh, leaves around his junk. Yeah, and now and you'll notice that uh, that's a very good description, Dan. Thank you. And on the cover, you'll notice that it, uh, the title it has here is "A Trollish Tale of Triumph and Tragedy," <laughs> and he's he's laying across a, a sexy lady, and a guy in the back is about to stab him, and the guy says, "Now, little man, you die." And Pip goes, "Yeah, but what a way to go!" <laughs> <laughs> this is the cover of Warlock number twelve. Yeah, and so Pip the Troll is—he's another great character. Yeah, he's a wastrel. He's he's uh, Adam and Warlock. And looking at the cover, it looks like Adam Warlock is uh, either rushing to kill Pip or to help him. You can't yeah, tell. It's mm. hard to tell. They they have their arguments, but he's rushing to save him. He becomes Adam Warlock's best friend. And what's amazing is that so Pip the Troll starts as basically a caricature of Jack Kirby. This like little this little guy who's always talking and really is kind of a pugnacious guy and smokes cigars and turns into 
maybe the sleaziest guy in the Marvel universe by the, you know, by the time Starlin is done with him. He's always drinking. He's always looking for parties. <laughs> but you know what? He's ready for, and he never wears clothes. He's just wearing his underpants almost all the time. <laughs> but, you know, he's Adam Warlock's buddy. He sticks with him a lot of the time. Um, yeah, he's, he's great. And so you'll, as you'll notice from that wineskin stuff, it's like, um, Jim Starlin decided to bring like a fantasy character into the series. Yeah. Uh, he's a, he's a space troll, but he's very much like a fantasy troll. Okay, guys, let's talk about the two best things about this version of Adam Warlock. Okay. The best thing is he is literally at war with himself. He learns that the soul gem on his head it's not just a thing that sits there and gives him power. The soul gem likes to capture the souls of other people, like it eats them. At one point, the soul gem tries to eat Warlock's soul, and Warlock, War, Warlock is like, you can do it, but first I'm going to commit suicide, and then you'll be stuck on a dead body. And it's and the soul gem goes, no, 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 I don't want that to happen. I need you to walk around and take me places. <laughs> so that's how he defeats the soul gem. Uh, and we also learn that the soul gem is one of the six gems of power. So Jim Starlin is basically laying the groundwork for the MCU in the 1970s without realizing it. And as a result, he would win a very big lawsuit settlement with Marvel many years later uh, over the creation of Thanos. Yeah. So Jim Starlin is, is one of the re- one of the rare, like, uh, real victories in comic books where apparently the story I heard was that he sued Marvel over Thanos and they said, you made this as work for hire. And he goes, mm, here's my high school notebooks where I first drew Thanos, which proves that I created him before I started working with you. And they were like, uh, we'll settle you with you, sir. Wow. And the details of the settlement have never been uh, stated as far as I know, but apparently he was very happy with them. Uh, so I'm happy about that. That's great. I love it when real people make money instead of corporations. That's fantastic. Okay. He's at war with his soul gem, but he's also at war with himself because his greatest nemesis, the Magus, who I mentioned earlier, is an evil version of himself from the future. Let's go to picture number seven. Oh, what? Now, Dan, what are the main differences between Adam Warlock and the Magus that you recognize in this picture? I can uh, give you two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, color is mm-hmm. a big one. Um, yeah, he's like gray, right? Still yeah, very he's sort stylish. of a lavender in, to Adam Warlock's warm tones. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, his hairstyle is sort of like a a a, a white afro instead yes. of uh you know a mane of blonde hair. Yeah, that's the most amazing thing about the Magus is that he has like either a ridiculous perm or like this mm-hmm. big afro. And eventually, he in the '90s he changes to more of a like tied off man bun type look. Mm. Um, but it it's. As much as I love these stories in the 70s, it's hard to take the mages totally seriously as a, as this major villain because yeah. of his hair. But that just shows you how powerful he is. He's reached this point where no one can tell him that his hair looks ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's also moved powerful. his uh, skull down from like a clasp at his neck to uh, on on his on his belt now. Yeah, he's he still likes skulls. He just you know <laughs> need, needs them somewhere else. Well, he doesn't wear a cape that much. That's the thing. Uh, As you can see, as Dan mentioned, yeah, the mage's hair is ridiculous. And so he's apparently, at some point in the future, he's driven mad by, I believe, the soul gem. And he runs what's called the Universal Truth of Church, uh, Universal Church of Truth, not Universal Truth of Church, the Universal Church of Truth, which is kind of an evil mind-controlling religion. Mm -hmm. And the Magus likes to show up in the present and taunt Adam Warlock and be like, there's nothing you can do about it. I'm you in the future. You're going to turn evil, brah, and you're going to be totally bad. (laughs) And Adam Warlock spends a lot of time being like, when is it going to happen? When am I going to turn into a bad guy? Can I stop it? I don't know what it could happen at any moment that I just turn into a villain. I don't like it. Uh, Eventually, sad to say, Warlock manages to defeat the Magus by cutting off that future from our timeline and Magus gets trapped in the soul gem. But I just love, the, I really love the idea of a, of a villain who is 
you in the future. Yeah. So it's like, you, I know you're going to win. I know I'm going to win because I'm from the future and I'm you. When you turn, it's like, it's a little bit like if my friend's parents could come from now and go back to the 60s and be like, I voted for Trump, dick. <laughs> I yeah, know yeah, you're no. a hippie now, but I'm all <laughs> about keeping immigrants out now. <laughs> Nothing to do about it. It's an interesting twist because I feel like in in my life, the villain is always me from uh, yesterday or the day before. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, And you're, yeah. you're cleaning up that mess. Yeah, yeah. I understand. Uh, well, anyway, it's it's the it reads the it's like the old story. If you could kill Hitler as a baby, would you do it? Especially if that baby grew up to be you, and then you mm-hmm. grew up to be Hitler at some point. Dan, do you think mm, you could okay. do it? Wait, I mean, I well, if I was, it's not Hitler, a hard question, Dan. Dan, I it's pro- not. But if yeah. I was an adult Hitler, I wouldn't kill myself as a baby. No, no. no. But if you weren't Hitler yet, like if you were halfway there, like you're Halfler. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. okay. Let's do it, guys. So Dan okay, very casually killing himself as a baby to, to forestall yeah. greater tragedy. I understand. Okay, that's yeah, great. Yeah, the needs of the many, et cetera. Anyway, let's not talk about this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Jim Star. okay, because you're changing your mind. I get it. Yeah. Okay, so Jim no. Starlin's Warlock Run, one of the things I like about it, it feels really personal. There's a story that I kind of can't believe got published called 1,000 Clowns where – uh, Jim Starlin has Adam Warlock imprisoned on a planet run by a caricature of Stan Lee and the other Marvel editors. And on the planet, they're building a mountain of garbage that has diamonds scattered within it. But the mountain is so big that you can't find the diamonds. And so it's he wrote and drew an issue of Marvel Comics that's literally about how crappy it is to be at Marvel Comics and work for them, <laughs> which you got to admire somebody who can do that. Anyway, eventually... Adam Warlock, he comes into conflict with Thanos, and the only way to stop him is to sacrifice himself. That's what Adam Warlock does. He's always sacrificing himself. He gets sucked into the Soul Gem, and he loves it. But that's not all for Adam Warlock, and we'll have more lock of Warlock mm. after a quick word from our sponsor, Daniel. Uh, our, our sponsor's not Daniel. Dan has the Spencer? Our sponsor's not Dan, not Donner. Spencer for hire. Uh, hey, our our sponsor this week is uh, Squarespace. Squarespace, you know them. We've talked about them before a lot. It's a service that helps you create a website, turn your cool idea into one of those sites you see on the internet. Only this one's yours. <laughs> you can use it to blog or publish content, sell products and services of all kinds, and much, much more. And how does Squarespace do this? Well... By giving you beautiful, customizable templates created by world-class designers with everything optimized for mobile right out of the box, a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions, and free and secure hosting. If you want to use Squarespace to make your beautiful new website, why not, why not go to squarespace.com flop for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code FLOP to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now, normally I would have some hilarious bit about a website that I'd like to make with Squarespace, but we're talking Adam Warlock, and I just cannot wait to get back to him. So let's get back to Adam Warlock, shall we? Thank you. Hi, it's me. 
Dave Hill from before, here to tell you about my brand new show on Maximum Fun, the Dave Hill Good Time Hour, which combines my old Maximum Fun show, Dave Hill's podcasting incident, with my old radio show, The Goddamn Dave Hill Show, into one new futuristic program from the future. If you like delightful conversation with incredible guests, technical difficulties, and actual phone calls from real-life listeners, you've just hit a street called easy. I'm also joined by my incredible co-host, the boy criminal Chris Gersbeck. Say hi, Chris. Hey, Dave. It's really great. That's to... enough, Chris. And New Jersey chicken rancher, Des. Say hi, Des. Hey, Dave. The Dave Hill Good Time Hour. Brand new episodes every Friday on Maximum Fun. Plus, the show's not even an hour. It's 90 minutes. Take that, stupid rules. We nailed it. One, two, one, two, three, five. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. We're both doctors and... Nope, just me. Okay, well, Sydney's a doctor and I'm a medical enthusiast and we create... Okay. Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. Every week I dig through the annals of medical history to bring you the wildest, grossest, sometimes dumbest tales of ways we've tried to treat people throughout history. And lately we do a lot of modern fake medicine because everything's a disaster, but it's slightly less of a disaster every Friday right here on MaximumFun.org as we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. And remember, don't drill a hole in your head. Let's move to the next picture, shall we? Mm. This is uh, an image from a from a the Infinity Gauntlet comic where Silver Surfer is describing a time when he showed up in the Soul Gem, and Adam Warlock is just hanging out. Dan, can you describe that's Adam Warlock in the second panel there? What's he look like now? Uh, now he lo- you know he looks kind of like uh like a warrior monk sort mm-hmm. of. Uh, What's he doing with the, with the, with his skull decorations? Now? His skull is now atop a uh, staff. So he's got, you know, he looks, he's got kind of a wizard look because he's got a, a robe and a and a staff. Um, yeah. So for yeah. a long time, Adam Warlock is hanging out in Solar World with the uh, with Pip and Gamora and this four armed, enormous headed dude. That yeah. He, what's that yeah? This, what's, I can't believe we haven't talked that, about this guy. <laughs> this yet. Is so, a, so this guy shows up in an early issue of Starlin's run of Adam Warlock, and his soul gets sucked into the Soul Gem. That's how Adam Warlock defeats yeah. him. And Every time they go to the Soul World, that guy is there. Every single time you see the Soul World, he's there. And when I was a kid, I didn't know that story. It wasn't reprinted for a long time. And I'd always be like, who is this dude? Like, what's his story? His whole body is head. He's got an enormous face, his yeah. four arms, and he always has a smile on his face. Like, he he's just, like, looks like the friendliest monster in the world. <laughs> and, and his and, giant head looks kind of like a turtle shell. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, exactly, with, like, big bug eyes. Like, he's... <laughs> This character, just if you want to, just Google Soul World four-armed guy and maybe it'll come up. I don't know, but he, it, it boggled my mind for years. Who is this guy? He's always there. Why he, like in the Infinity War series, he shows up again for a moment with no explanation of who he was. And it's like, uh, there's a story there. And there was. Uh, anyway, long story short, uh, he just wants to stay in the Soul Gem and he gets to for a long time because... Nobody was that interested in Adam Warlock except for Jim Starlin. The entire 1980s go by with no Adam Warlock in them. It's very sad. It's not until the 1990s that he comes back. There's a, there's a, there's a, at this point, the last time we've seen Adam Warlock was in the late 70s, I believe it was, when he briefly leaves the Soul Gem as a being made of fire to turn Thanos into stone. Uh, when Thanos tries to, uh, uh, conquer the universe with his cosmic cube. Uh, and then we don't see him again until, let's go to the next one. The Infinity Gauntlet mm. series. This is in 91, and this is 
a fantastic series where Thanos gets all those Infinity Gems. He got it in a little miniseries called Thanos Quest. And now he is just taking over the universe with his super powerful gauntlet that's so shiny. Look at how shiny it is on the cover. Look at all yeah. this, all the sparkle on those gems. The gems uh, yeah, are, there's yeah, like, and that Mephisto line. is there and Lady mm-hmm. Death. Lady yeah. Death. Not Lady Death, but Death, yeah. Mistress Death. Lady Death is an evil Ernie character, yeah, uh, <laughs> who's best known for just wearing <laughs> bikinis and garter belts all over the place, yeah. Yeah. I've n- I never I never read any of those books. I could not figure out what the stories might be because all I knew about Evil Ernie and Lady Death was that Evil Ernie looked like a ripoff of Eddie from uh-huh. the Iron Maiden covers mm. and that Lady Death was just a busty lady who wore bikinis and was very I pale. will absolutely explain it all to you on another mini. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, I need this Stuart mini where Stuart explains Evil Ernie. <laughs> this is finally. Um, anyway, uh, Jim Starlin, by this point, he was the writer on Silver Surfer. He had a really great run on that. Uh, a lot of it is with Ron Lim as the penciler. Ron Lim, of course, one of the unsung greats of Marvel Comics. Uh, he does not get as much attention as I think he deserves. Um, even though everyone he draws kind of has a much wider mouth than they would in real life. Uh, anyway, he d- this <laughs> he and he draws the second half of the Infinity Gauntlet miniseries. George Perez draws the first half. Anyway, Jim Starlin is, ri- Starlin is writing Silver Surfer. He goes, I want to bring Thanos back. And the story is so amazing that Marvel says, this is better than just a Silver Surfer storyline. This has to be the biggest crossover we've had since Secret Wars. And you know what? It's really great and it really works. And because Jim Starlin is in the driver's seat, who's the pivotal figure in it? That's right. Adam Warlock, there's a mm. panel that you have right there where Adam Warlock is holding the Infinity Gauntlet and he says, let the conflict end. Because, spoiler alert, it ends with Adam Warlock with all the Infinity Gems. That's right. He's now the most powerful character in the Marvel Universe. What's oh. he going to do with those gems? What do you think, guys? Okay, you're Adam I think Warlock. think he's going he's to split them up because he's a good guy, not a bad guy, right? He is a good guy, not a bad guy. Uh, it helps that the Living Tribunal, which is the three-headed judge who— works for the the one above all, which is the Marvel Universe's version of God, is like, hey, I don't trust you. You shouldn't have all those gems together. So he splits them up. And mm. this is the first time in a while that Adam Warlock uh, like has his own book. He has a book a little for a little bit called like, The Warlock Chronicles, and he has a book called Adam Warlock and the Infinity Watch. Let's go to the next picture, shall we? Uh, oh. as, and you can see this oh, is the team yeah, shot. Oh, hell yeah, Moon Dragon. Mm-hmm. As Adam Warlock is shouting, let the stars know you to be the Infinity Watch. And by the stars, I assume he meant dancing with the stars type stars. <laughs> like, <laughs> Or maybe the stars of Modern Family. I don't know. Uh, he splits up the gems. Each of his friends gets a gem. So it's Adam Warlock, Pip, Gamora. And who's this? Drax the Destroyer. Not the Tr- movie version. The superhero but, version. But he's still got that kind of same goofy energy as the movie version though, right? He's still very dumb. That's true. At a certain point, well, there's a... And, and on the left there, that's Moondragon, who is Drax's daughter, but she doesn't know that because in a fight, she gave him major brain damage and he no uh. longer remembers. And Dan, can you describe, uh, describe what's that, what's Drax have clasping his cape and also on his belt? Uh, a, well, he's got two skulls. Exactly. He's got both the skull belt and the skull clasp. Wow. Jim Starlin likes skulls as a design element. Well, and Gamora, she's got skulls, uh, one on each, um, Shoulder there. Yeah, that's true. He loves skulls everywhere. And Moondragon is not originally a Jim Starlin character, but she's a real cosmic character. She fits in. Dan, look at that character. Uh, describe her to me and tell me what you think her backstory is. And Stuart, maybe you can correct him if he's wrong. Maybe he'll guess it right. Uh, Well, she's got slightly more clothes on than Vampirella. <laughs> Uh, I mean, just, she has a yep, cape, sure. Just marginally, <laughs> uh, you know, she doesn't have any hair. She got big hoop earrings and a and a gem in her head. Um, what's her? Well, that gem is her infinity gem. Yeah. Okay, so she's a. Um, she, what's her name? Moon something. 
Moon Dragon. Moon Dragon. Moon Dragon. Uh, I'm going to say that um, that uh, she is literally some sort of cosmic dragon <laughs> somehow. Okay. I mean, there is a cosmic dragon. I mean, not at this point. Eventually, she does become a dragon. That's okay. true. Uh, up till now. not Stuart, what do you know about Moon Dragon's real origin? I don't even remember at all. I just remember that she looks awesome. Okay, well, here's it's pretty simple. She is the daughter of Drax the Destroyer. Mm. Uh, Drax, of course, was an American sax uh, sax player. He was a jazz musician. Uh, Thanos uh, had a spaceship that uh, Drax's family saw while driving down the highway, so Thanos blew them up. That's when Kronos brought back uh, later brought back the dad's body and turned him into Drax the Destroyer, a, a behemoth of a man, massively powerful, whose only dream, only desire was to destroy Thanos. And later on, the daughter, who was alive, she's taken up by the Titans. She's trained by the Titans in kind of space martial oh, arts yeah, and telepathy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, event she gets with some space monks. And for a long time, in she's bopping in and out of the Avengers comics of the 70s as the single most egotistical character in the Marvel Universe. And I, <laughs> she's amazing. She'll just show up and she'll be like, she'll go, she'll, the Avengers, there's one issue where the Avengers are like, I guess we have to have some tryouts. We need more members. And Moon Dragon shows up and goes, I'll be your leader. Don't worry. I'll make everybody fight so we can see who's worthwhile. Mm, I'm the best. Anyway, like she's just, <laughs> she, she's, yeah. Constantly rubbing people the wrong way. Uh, she learns some lessons in humility. And she has the power of something called the dragon of the moon. I don't really remember all of it. But years later, she turns into a real dragon. Uh, in the current books, she has merged with an alternate universe version of herself. And she is still in love. She's still in love with, I think it's Captain Marvel's daughter. Uh, so she is in, the, in yep. a stable relationship. So at least yeah, that's Yeah, I'm remembering bits of this. Like a lot of my knowledge of the cosmic characters comes from the later uh, Abnett. Abnett Lanning run yes. with the uh, Guardians books. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. It's a great run. Uh, anyway, uh, as, as Dan said, Moon Dragon is essentially, all you need to know is she's a bald psychic with almost no clothes on. And uh, she's a super ninja. This is to me like the classic Warlock family of characters. Uh, the Infinity Watch is the closest we get to Adam Warlock as like a straightforward, straightforward superhero character, even though they don't really go out and right wrongs so much as they sit around their headquarters, which is a castle on Monster <laughs> Island where the Mole Man lives, and wait for stories to come and force them to do things. Uh, there's a character at one point uh, whose name was... Oh, what's his name? It's like Maxim, I think, who shows up and has lost his memory and he's slowly getting it back and he knows he's supposed to kill Adam Warlock for some reason. I don't know if we ever find out because the book ended before the, the mystery was done. Uh, there's a story where Adam Warlock is tricked into falling in love for the first time and it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. So uh, when Adam Warlock got the gems, one of the things he did was he cast out the evil and good sides of himself so he could be a being of pure rationality. The evil side... Well, it's that mage's character again, and he comes back. Let's go to the next slide in The Infinity War. That was the sequel to The Infinity Gauntlet, mm. where the mage is like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make evil duplicates of all of the Marvel heroes. And the lasting uh, legacy of that, Dan, is? Uh, uh, what, the, Secret Wars or some shit? What do you well, think of? Dan knows, Dan knows. The lasting legacy of, oh, you, well, I'll just tell you. It's the Spider-Man villain Doppelganger, who is an evil monster oh, of version course. of Spider-Man, sure. who is prominently shown in the Maximum Carnage crossover, as you were going to say. Otherwise, Infinity War doesn't have <laughs> that much of a legacy other than more Adam Warlock. And then there's Infinity Crusade a few years later, which is when the good side of Adam Warlock tried to take over the universe. Uh, and so because Jim Starlin always works in with Marvel on this massive cosmic scope, you have this strange, and because Infinity Gauntlet was such a huge success, you have this strange kind of situation where the linchpin of these massive company-wide crossovers is this character who does not have his own book and 
doesn't have that big a fan base, to be honest. Like, <laughs> Adam Warlock is very prominently featured on the cover of Infinity War Number 1, and surrounding him is, like, Wolverine, Captain America, Spider-Man, because it's almost like Marvel had to be like, all your favorites are in here, don't worry. You could read this Adam Warlock story. It's got other characters that you've heard of. Come on. Um, <laughs> to put it in perspective, I think the Incredible Hulk, who is probably maybe the second most recognizable Marvel hero to the average person. Oh, I mean, wow. maybe Black Knight's on the on this cover too. Yeah, well, he was a member Archangel? of the Avengers at the time. Yeah, that's Archangel, Gamora, Silver Surfer, just Quicksilver, Vision mm-hmm. when he was all white, She-Hulk. Quasar, yeah. Yeah, Quasar. He was, uh, you know, Quasar, Wendell Vaughn. There's Daredevil. Daredevil barely makes it onto the cover. Now, again, this was a fold-out cover. The back continued the image, and then I think you could fold out Wait, the Infinity, Wait, which one? Infinity War. Oh, okay. Because then you look at Infinity Crusade, and... Adam Warlock is not so prominently placed, but you see the goddess, which is the good version of him, but you still got, you know, Wolverine, Spider-Man, all their faces. What I see when I see look at this cover for Infinity Crusade is uh, they're really (laughs) half-assing some of these drawings of these faces on the front. Well, part of the reason for that is because the parts where it's orange or gold, that would have been actual foil. On the oh, cover. I this see. is a book I bought. It was this was back when all the comics that were first issues had shiny foil on the cover or holograms yep. or chromium or whatever. Yeah. And so that would have been and I so Ron Lim was probably like, I'm not gonna waste my time drawing these these faces in super detail if they're just gonna be so shiny you can't even see them. Yeah. Um and that's why it also costs, as you'll see, three dollars and fifty cents for that first <laughs> issue, which is wow. at the time was ridiculous. And that would be a bargain. Yikes. Yeah. So at the at the time, I think a regular issue cost like a dollar twenty-five. So Okay, I think I was going to say probably the Hulk is maybe the second or third most recognizable Marvel character. I think Spider-Man and Iron Man are the others. The Hulk has been the central figure of, I think, one company-wide crossover, World War Hulk. Adam Warlock has been the central figure of at least three company-wide crossovers, <laughs> which is kind of silly. Yeah, yeah. But it's also probably a side effect of Warlock. He's never been popular enough to have his own series for long, so he's available to be the central figure of these. Now, okay. Warlock falls off the map a little bit. Whenever Jim Starlin uh, leaves Marvel Comics, Adam Warlock kind of disappears for a while because not everyone else is that interested in using him. In 2004, if you scroll to the next one, uh, the great writer Greg Pak and the artist Charlie Adler, uh, they tried to reboot Adam Warlock with a new four-issue miniseries called Warlock that kind of ignored all his previous continuity. And it was almost like they're trying to pitch the movie version of him, but it just... It was not – I liked it. It's a pretty good miniseries, but it was not super popular. That version of Warlock never appeared again. We don't really see classic Adam Warlock until the late 2000s when, as Stuart mentioned, uh, we get into what I'm going to call the Abnett and Lanning uh, period of cosmic Marvel comics, although it was kicked off by Keith Geffen. That's right, Dan, your favorite creator of Ambush, mm-hmm. Bug, and Trencher. And so <laughs> – Trencher. <laughs> so um, around 2008 – uh, the Marvel cosmic books kind of get a rebirth with a storyline called Annihilation, where Annihilus, the evil robo-bug from the negative zone who wants to destroy all life, yeah. he attacks the yeah, positive yeah. matter universe with his army of bugs, and they kill billions of people. It's an amazing series. It took all yeah, these characters. Really yeah, these characters like Super Scroll and Drax yep. and Nova and Ronan the Accuser, yep. who had not been done well with over years and made them super cool. It's a great it's a great series. It's that, fun was, to- that was one of my favorite like takes on Super Scroll too. Yes, where he's now, like, what he's makes Super the Scroll so super? Well, Super Scroll. So Dan, as you know, scrolls are shape changing aliens. You know this from the Captain Marvel movie, sure. right? So I'm aware of the scrolls. So, so Stuart, what's the deal with Kill Ert, the Super Scroll? 
So, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Super Scroll was uh, what genetically engineered to uh, mimic the powers of the Fantastic Four. Yes, he's got all their oh. powers as, because 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 fa- the Fantastic Four keeps whipping the Scrolls' asses. So they're like, we gotta we gotta make one of them, but only one. Yes, yeah. And so he's like a hero to the Scrolls, but he's always losing. <laughs> And so by this point, he is a laughing stock of the scrolls, and they're like the super scroll. You get your butt handed to you every time. So he's really got to prove himself. And uh, yeah, Nova becomes the top cosmic cop in the universe. Uh, Drax, who for years had been a comedy figure by this point, there's a Silver Surfer scene that my children love me to read to them, where <laughs> Drax keeps bothering Silver Surfer and saying, "Where's Thanos? Where's Thanos? Where's Thanos?" And Silver Surfer flies through a sun. And Drax still won't leave him, won't let go of his board. And so he goes to the Fantastic Four's headquarters and sits Drax down in front of a TV. And it's a page of them watching sitcoms. And the Silver Surfer just leaves two, pan- <laughs> two panels before the end. And Drax is like, huh? <laughs> like, Surfer. And then the next panel, the next page is a full page panel of the Silver Surfer flying through space. And he's got the biggest grin on his face that he got rid of this guy. <laughs> so Drax was, was kind of a comedy figure, but he gets reborn in this Keith Geffen miniseries that ties into Annihilation as the Drax we know from the movies, except smarter, where this the the Drax that Dave Bautista is playing, who's like a big buff guy who uses knives to chop at things and is an ultimate fighter who never wears a shirt. Like that's the Drax from this series. Yeah. Anyway, hmm. it's, a, it's a really great series and they reinvented these characters in a way that was also very uh, respectful to where they came from. Um, Star-Lord is introdu- reintroduced and uh, is a much stronger character than he eventually becomes when they just make him kind of Chris Pratt in the comics. But... Uh, Anyway, there's a, it spins off into Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning's Guardians of the Galaxy series. Stuart, I know you're a fan of Abnett and Lanning from their Warhammer work, oh, right? Well, mainly Dan Abnett's uh, Warhammer books. Yeah, they're great. He's awesome. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. Does Andy Lanning write Very any nice guy. Just uh, Dan not, Abnett. Yeah, it's just Dan Abnett and all okay. the uh, Games Workshop stuff. Uh, it's a great Guardians of the Galaxy run. It sets the the groundwork for the movies. Like the ones where you see – the characters you see in the movies, they're the characters from that series. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Warlock eventually comes back to life, joins the group. They fight the Universal Church of Truth a bunch more times. And he's kind of like, he's like just part of the team, which I, uh, which was kind of fun. Like he's just this like weird dude who's part of the team. Yeah, it was, it was fun for, it was a fun to have him there. But at the same time, I kind of missed that he was no longer kind of this weird loner seeking personal fulfillment. He'd become more of a like just silver surfer type noble weirdo. Uh-huh. Like so there is kinda- a good bit where he becomes Adam Magus and he kills the whole team. Yes. Which I, I like that part. Yeah, that was good. And the art in those issues is phenomenal. It's gorgeous. Like, I can gorgeous. never remember the artist's name, but it's it's he does mostly DC work now, I think. But he's it's it's a it's a series well worth checking out. Uh anyway, around this time. Okay, so that's and here there's an image of Adam Warlock here. He just kinda looks like a regular superhero, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like yeah. a normal guy. He just looks like a normal superhero. <laughs> just like a totally got, normal guy. Wearing just like a normal of, guy. Spandex and a cape. I mean, instead of a cape, he has a long flowing kind of oh, yeah. crotch front cape. It's like yeah, a, it's like he's it's like he's wearing a half apron. Like he's like after he saves the world, he's gonna go do his shift at Chili's. Um, so here's where it, things get interesting again because guess who's back on the Adam Warlock beat as of the late 2000s? Damn, wait, Jim Starlin? Starlin? Jim Starlin, that's right. Jim Starlin comes back and he doesn't do an Adam Warlock series. No, go to the next the next one. 
He does a Thanos versus Hulk miniseries, which has a surprisingly small amount of Hulk in it. It's, it's mostly Thanos <laughs> versus Annihilus. And that rolls into this series of original graphic novels that came out as hardcover books. The Thanos, the Infinity Revelation, Thanos, the Infinity Relativity, Thanos, the <laughs> Infinity Finale, and then the final, the Infinity Entity, which is Adam Warlock on the yeah. cover there. And as you can see from the picture here, Adam Warlock is dressed in more of like a karate outfit this point you know with big shoulders and everything um you know with these i mean they're still you know comic drawings but with these uh covers and that those like subtitles they really look like you know paperbacks from like the late 60s or oh, 70s they do and what i love is so here if i can describe the covers the cover of thanos the infinity revelation is just a big close-up of thanos's head over a star field and he's like oh <laughs> uh. Thanos, the Infinity Relativity, it's Thanos, Adam Warlock, and also the face of Annihilus, who by this point has given himself an enormous monster body. Thanos, the Infinity Finale, it's Thanos' face again, but he's had the shit beaten out of him. He has literally a bloody nose and there's blood pouring down his chin. And it's like, <laughs> it's. I just always thought it was a strange choice for a cover to have the, the main character just like beaten all to crap. Anyway, uh, this is where Jim Starlin kind of reasserts that Thanos and Adam Warlock, for all the time they spend in the Marvel Universe, exist outside of it and go on their own adventures that Thanos does things for his own reasons and Adam Warlock does things for his own reasons. And they eventually – the whole thing ends with Adam Warlock kind of single-handedly recreating all of reality and then becoming God's second-in-command as a new version of the Living Tribunal, the cosmic figure who is the judge over all the universes. And it's – it almost feels like the apotheosis of what Jim Starlin is doing with these characters where by this point Adam Warlock has figured that the only way he can find peace is literally by being the most powerful being in the galaxy who only shows up when he can judge other people and tell them what to do. And Thanos by the end of it is like, oh boy, that was some adventure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's all, it's hard to know whether these books are in continuity or not. I think technically they might happen in a different uh, alternate universe, but – you never know. When Jim Starlin is handling them, their adventures are somehow both on the margins of the Marvel Universe and also the single most important thing happening in the in the Marvel Universe, you know. Yeah. Um, ever since then, Adam Warlock has shown up in comics every now and then. There was this recent storyline with him and the Guardians of the Galaxy that I think was called Infinity War. I could not follow it. It's just a lot of running around for Infinity Gems in the desert, and I didn't really understand what was going on. To, to be honest, I got to admit something, guys. Because mm. tight still. When other writers handle the character, I find that it's hard for me to care as much. And it's weird to me that Adam Warlock, who had two previous creative teams working on him before Jim Starlin took him on, to me that's Jim Starlin's baby. And even though he didn't create him, it feels like that's the character. He put his stamp on it so indelibly that it's his character. And I'll read any Jim Starlin Warlock comic. Again, I told you there's a whole storyline in Infinity Watch where – Adam Warlock gets a magic spell put on him that makes him fall in love, and it's goofy as all get out. Um, Sounds great. But it's just he's a really interesting character to me, and I want to hear if you guys have any thoughts about what you've heard before I get into why I think I like Adam Warlock so much. What do you guys think? Why do you, I? Why do we think you like him? No, no, but like what? What are your? Th what, okay, so this has hit you. Uh, what? What's? What are your feelings about this character who has this complicated history and is not a not an easily defined hero character? I, you know, I mean, I've always enjoyed a character who's a hero who would rather not, like, not like just the, like the usual, you know, Joseph Campbell, uh, you know, deny the call sort of rather not, but like genuinely like they, they, they're heroes, but they like to expend as little effort as possible, whether it be like, 
I know that uh, because he's a horrible human and they made a bunch of bad sequels, it kind of ruined the original Pirates of the Caribbean. But, you know, the original, like, movie, when you see Jack Sparrow, it's so fun to see a character that's like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, like, sort of like, just like shambling around while like <laughs> doing his stuff or like uh, even on television, like, uh, you know, like 70s uh, mystery shows like the Rockford Files where it's like, ugh. Do I have to get into a fist fight? I don't yeah. want mm-hmm. to. Like that's not my preferred way of doing it. Uh, Basically, so without trying, yeah, like without trying, adventure finds them. That's yeah. What I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The so I was. I mean, I think my first exposure, like a lot of folks, was to Adam Warlock was during the Infinity Gauntlet series. That was certainly mine, also. Yeah. And I. I, you know, I never really connected much with the character because a lot of it was just him, like, standing around. Um, <laughs> he does a lot, there's a lot of scenes in that where he is standing around and Silver Surfer goes, aren't you going to step in now? And he goes, the pieces are in place. Now <laughs> we must play the game and that kind of stuff, which, I mean, as a kid, I loved that stuff. I loved any character who seemed like they had any idea what was yeah. going on, you know. And but, my, the funny thing is my little brother loved Adam Warlock. That Adam Warlock was his favorite character. Uh, but also, and that, and that brother also is a big fan of the eternal champion books. So I think there's a specific, he must just be operating on that like seventies, like Prague wavelength that I'm, uh, I'm not quite on. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Uh, there's a, there's something very, there is something very seventies about Adam Warlock. Even now it's partly, they've tried to update his hair and it doesn't <laughs> quite do it, Mistake. but I think it is, there's a certain kind of heroic narcissism about him. I'm not, I wouldn't say hedonism because he's very ascetic, but like a heroic narcissism where it's like, no, there is something noble about me finding the inner truth about myself and devoting myself to that. And there's something, his outfits are always kind of very glam. Um, the, uh, The comic book author, Tom Manning, who's a friend of mine, he was telling me today he, he had a theory or heard somewhere that Ziggy Stardust was a big influence on Jim Starlin's Adam Warlock. I don't know about that. I haven't seen that listed anywhere. But at the same time, he told me that Sim, the evil demon from the New Mutants comics, was an homage to Dave Sim of the Cerebus books, and that turns out to be true. So when Tom tells me something's influenced the comic, and that's why Sim smokes a cigar and wears a little vest, just like Cerebus. Um <laughs> And I was and I, I was like, but that can't be a tribute. He's the bad guy. Why why would that be a tribute? And he's and but it turns out it's true. Anyway, so there's a there's this definite like 70s selfish stew in there. And not selfish stew like selfish Stewart. Stewart is selfless and he'd do mm-hmm. anything to help he you. Really even is. give you the mm-hmm. even give you the shirt off his back. In fact, Stu, you don't have to take your shirt off. Put Guys, it back on. I know you I know you're proud, but are you still. sure? I mean, I've been I figured I should show this off. Stuart did so much uh, uh you know, surrounding and during my wedding. Uh, you know, Stu is a real prince of a of a gent of a man. Get he was out the of real here. MVP I did the of the wedding. Minimum. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but nobody else did anything. So yeah, just doing the bare minimums. That's true. Was, was, uh, I yeah. don't know. Elliot, put a lot, you put a lot of work into your speech. I did put a lot of work into my speech. And, and uh, I it was the most – the biggest work I put in was restraining myself from roasting Dan. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> bare, barely restrained roasting. <laughs> there was it only was some very roasting in there. sweet. Yeah, it was a sweet was, roasting. Yeah. Mm, sweet roast. Um, mm, so anyway, honey roast. <laughs> I think – it's Adam Warlock is someone where he's re- – what makes him interesting to me is his personality, which is kind of a hard thing to uh, to describe, partly because he's like kind of a cold character. He's a cold, self-involved character, but he's got – but he 
is he runs very hot. Like his passion is very hot, but in a but towards cold ends, which is to get away from everybody else. He's basically noble and good, but yeah, he puts off helping anybody until the last possible moment. And he's always really irritable about it. Like he's never. I feel he's like never he's like also like a like a mega intellectual type where he yes. yes. You know, he's always pondering important things. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's very humorless. He doesn't have a sense of humor. He doesn't have fun. And that's why it's fun to see him with Pip the Troll, who is the original party troll. And <laughs> he's disrespectful and condescending to the other characters because he legitimately thinks he's above them, and he is. Um, but he always comes through and saves the universe in the end. And I was thinking about this today, and it's almost like in a weird way, Jack Kirby's what, what Jack Kirby intended to be the worst-case scenario of a libertarian – uh, someone who only who takes uh, who basically is like you don't live up to my standards for the world, so I feel free to destroy you because I'm stronger than you. In a weird way, Jim Starlin turned that into kind of the best case scenario of a libertarian, someone who's like powerful and self obsessed, but leaves other people alone and will reluctantly help out when he's really yeah. needed. Like recognizes some humanity in other people, uh, and maybe there's something appealing to me in that like that I I am very much not a libertarian. I like because I am a weak little man and I can't see very well. So I need the help of others and so I'm willing to help them. Like we're all in this together, but especially me, because without my glasses, I'm just Burgess <laughs> mm -hmm. Meredith wandering around in a post apocalyptic yeah. wasteland and I can't read my beloved books. But he's kind of maybe yeah, to and me I'm like just a, a I'm just a Big, dumb, beautiful idiot. And if I don't have an <laughs> yeah. Elliot around sure are, baby. pointing me in directions. Yeah, and Dan, you're <laughs> I mean, just a poor boy. You don't need no sympathy because it's easy uh -huh. come, easy go. A little high, a little low, anywhere the wind blows. Doesn't really matter to you. And, and the, I just killed a man. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, mama. <laughs> and uh, so maybe there's something in there that's like a fantasy figure to me of like, if you were really powerful enough that you could just kind of wander around ignore, like ignoring other people as much as possible and when you fell into an adventure you could be like ugh okay except at the same time he's a he's like a rational headed character who is very 70s marvel and 70s marvel is every character twisted in agony and and baring their teeth and and grunting about like <laughs> oh god why must why must the universe be so and stuff like that so i guess what i'm saying is He's a weird character. He's very complicated. And I can't wait to see how they simplify him to the point of adorability in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, this guy three. seems like a, a real, you know, I don't know how they would scam. adapt to this. I well, don't, my, do not know well, how this could be put the, on the a, thing a is, film. I don't know how – the thing is, so at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, at the tag, they're like, I'm going to make a person. I'm going to name him Adam. Yeah. And – so I don't know if it's going to be that he is a newly created being who's like, oh, what's this? Uh, oh, that's a that's a chicken nugget, buddy. Mm -hmm. You eat them. Mm, good. Like I don't yeah. know if they're going to do that. What's version this? Of what's him. this? There's white yeah. things in the air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's colors everywhere. Exactly. Can't believe yeah. my eyes. I must be I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. It isn't fair. But you'll say, yeah. wake up, Adam Warlock. It isn't fair. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, what's this? There's something very wrong. What's this? There's people singing songs. You guys doing okay. bits? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> little creatures laughing. Well, Everybody seems so happy. It's like, arguable done Daffy. whether what is this? it's a bit. But no, it's just the lyrics to a song. Just doing bits, anyway, okay. Yeah, just, just song lyric bits. So I wonder if – I don't know how developed the character is going to be. If he's going to be a newly birthed Rocky Horror monster or if he's going to be the Adam Warlock we know and love who would be like, we need to save the universe. And Adam Warlock would be like, ugh. <sighs> Do we? Okay, you know. Uh, is he going to be the baddie, do you think? Do you think he's going to be the baddie? I hope he's not the baddie. 
I hope I, but who knows? Maybe the baddie's going to be the magus. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Maybe that's a big spoiler that we'll all find out a month ahead of time. Yeah. And it'll be like, oh, well, that seems kind of obvious in retrospect. The yeah, same way that uh, they may have spoiled, they may have revealed who the villain is in the Doctor Strange new movie. Um, I think I was telling Stuart this, but like, there's, I was talking to somebody about this at, at Dan's wedding, how they, they may have revealed the Doctor yeah, Strange Yeah, we were talking villain, about it. But Doctor Strange only has like four villains and they used two of them in the first movie. So mm. it's going to be one of these other two, you know. And this is a subject for another time, but I wonder if it really is a spoiler to find out who the characters are going to be in a movie. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. So, guys, uh, that's Adam Warlock. Do you have any final thoughts? I feel like I've gone on for a very long time talking about this character. The audience is long gone. No, this they, is interesting. This I mean, is certainly a careful what you wish for situation yeah, this from is, uh, <laughs> some of the vocal listener some community. Of the, some of the folks that tweeted at Elliot being like, yeah, we wanted to hear that Adam Warlock I, explainer. I was surprised how many people who were like, I was so bummed when you didn't tell me about Adam Warlock. <laughs> and it's like, I don't, and also because Adam Warlock is one of those characters where there's not that many Adam Warlock comics. You could yeah. it could, in probably in a week you could probably catch up on his whole history. It's the same way that I've always dreamed of writing something about Chester A. Arthur. So I was like, I'm gonna read every book about Chester A. Arthur, and I think there's five of them. So it was not that difficult. <laughs> Did you achieve that dream? I, I think so. I can't find any other one. Oh no, okay. the dream of writing something about Chester yeah. Arthur? No, <laughs> yeah. no. And it's a that's a that's a long term project that I'm still okay. working on. Uh well, yeah, I'll be interested to <laughs> hear the reaction to this uh i mean i was interested don't get me wrong i was interested but uh i don't know i don't know uh whether the deep dive is gonna be beloved or be be beloved beloved yeah beloved. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't know yeah, if it's gonna be fun. beloved or boulevard watches <laughs> <laughs> well guys so that's the thing about minis not the bar, Minnie's, which is Stewart's bar, and it's a great bar. I was just there on Delicious. Saturday right Please before visit. Dan's wedding reception. Uh, that's the thing about these mini episodes is they're a little bit of little bit of experiments. They're just like throw, put, putting a note in a bottle, throw it in the ocean, see if anyone picks it up. In this case, it's more like putting a whole book in a bottle and then throwing it in the ocean. But uh, hey, tell us what you think. Tweet at me. Tell me if you want my next explainer to be interrupted by Tom Brokaw again talking about <laughs> Dune. <laughs> or interrupted by somebody else talking about maybe Jimmy Stewart's really interested in Narnia. I don't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> There's only one way to find out. Yeah, wants to know all about Earthsea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe Edward G. Robinson <laughs> is, is re, re, it wants to know if the Foundation series is accurate to the books. <laughs> sure, yeah. Are there <laughs> – tell me more yeah. about these dragon riders of Pern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's – yeah, Christopher Walken has a big interest in the dragon riders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So it's I a guess franchise now. So let me know. On, let me know on Twitter. Did you like this deep dive? Would you like more in the future when there's other Marvel movies? Don't ask me to do it for DC movies. Don't know. Don't care. Not interested. <laughs> for me, DC Comics stands for Don't Care Comics. Except when I'm working on them. Please give me more work. Um, the but if or if you just want me to go back to bad impressions of people talking about <laughs> niche series. I don't know what you're talking detail. about. Impressions. So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you want guest stars, real. if you yeah. want accurate guest stars coming to tell us about things, because you know there's there's more than enough options for those. Wheel of Time is uh, is coming out soon, and uh, maybe Nicolas Cage is interested. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll so, find out. Yeah. So tw tweet at me. Uh, I'll try to respond. If I don't respond, just know is that my life is a whirlwind of activity.
Uh, yeah. Sure, I'm doing important <laughs> shit. <laughs> just, one, just, just know that it's only because you are a very low priority to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, I love the fans. I live for them, but they are bottom of the list when it comes to my to-do. And so without any further to-do, let's close the book on Adam Warlock yeah. and end on Jim Starlin. This really became a love letter to Jim Starlin, which is great because I love his work. Um and now a watch will find out something horrible about him personally, and I'll be like, oh, boy, ugh, I didn't know. No, I bet he's a good guy. Anyway, for the Flophouse and for Adam Warlock, I have been Ellie Kalen. I've been Dan McCoy. For the Flophouse and for Moon Dragon, I'm Stuart <laughs> Wellington. And I'd like to leave you with Adam Warlock's famous catchphrase. Mm. He doesn't have one. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.